0: Welcome to the world of digital. Hey there, good people of the internet. Welcome, welcome. This is Ken. This is the Ken Burton Show podcast story for this week, and uh, this one's a little bit different, I'm guessing. But um, hopefully, you'll get the gist, guys. If you've never heard one of these podcast stories, I seriously urge you to go back, listen, and try and understand where I'm coming from with this, because uh, it's quite often the case that the you know, people say to me they can't really understand without knowing the backstory, and I guess, I guess it's a bit like that. You need to understand the backstory. I mean, I've done eighty of these podcasts now, and uh, you know, to 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 really sort of understand it, you really do need to travel back in time. And just download a few of them. You know, just download a couple of them, listen to them in your break, listen to them while you're working and just, uh, just kind of understand what it was all about back then. Anyway, guys, um, I need to start off by uh, giving you the disclaimer, which is along the lines of all part, none, some bits of this podcast story may or may not be true. It is up to you, the listener, to decide whether or not you think it is or it isn't, or it's partly true, and put that in the comment section on the intro video, which will go up on my rather dead YouTube channel. <laughs> Oh, dear. Right, okay. Um, Bloody hell. I don't know where to start with this. Do you know, I I thought about this podcast story um, probably about two weeks ago. Probably about two weeks ago. And I tried desperately to remember when it was, and I can't. I can't remember when it was at all. And that's... A real shame. But anyway, uh let's let's kick off. So I'm sat in the boozer with the boys. We've been out I think it was I think it must have been a Sunday because we've been out the night before, definitely, because we're all really hungover. All completely rat assed and <laughs> off our trees. And um We were sat in the booze on the Sunday afternoon and we'd all got a few beers and we were shooting the ship and talking about various things that had happened the night before and the night before that and you know and if I remember remember correctly it was Carl was um, in the process of renting a, a flat and we were talking about that and cuz he didn't have a clue i remember talking about it he's going like, oh, yeah render flat's going to be great yeah you got any pots and pans knives forks glasses oh I don't need all that you know it was <laughs> oh god he was a dickhead right so um he turned on me in the end actually which was uh yeah that wasn't very pleasant he was a guy that turned on me but there you go um somebody came into the boozer one of the uh guys that we had done some work with and he said uh oh uh, there's there's a job coming up guys if uh, if you want to take it it's just simple pickup um and all we need you to do is get out of wales uh pick up five cars and bring them back so uh we were like yeah yeah it's, we'll do it it's no problem when is it and somebody said oh it's on wednesday so anyway we uh we kind of got the details and you know we knew what we were doing and we we arranged um we arranged for a seven seater to, to take us down there um pick these cars up and bring them back and uh on the wednesday morning it was an early start i think we'd all we'd all probably got up about five o'clock and we set off christ about seven and uh we got to this place in Wales, and th- I think it was the first time I'd ever been over the bridge. And <laughs> it's an amazing bridge. That bridge is just incredible. No wonder so, so many people throw themselves off it. Um, we arrived in Wales and headed to the industrial estate that we were, we'd been told to go to. Well, when we got there, it was locked up the particular place that we were trying to get into. But the cars were there, well let's say the cars were there, three cars were there. Now we knew the registration numbers of the five cars we had to collect and three of the cars are sat outside this, um, I don't know how to describe it, it wasn't a workshop it was kind of like a little industrial unit and uh, we hung around for a couple of hours. We phoned back and said, you know, there's nobody here. There's three of the cars here. There's no one else here. Oh, yeah, there's been a cock-up. has been a cock-up. Um, the guy, apparently, who's got the keys for the cars was in London <laughs> with two of the cars, two of the other cars. So um, we couldn't collect them. So we're like, oh, for fuck's sake. And he said, I'll tell you what to do. Book yourselves into a BnB and b and do it first thing in the morning. He'll be back. So we're like, oh, right, okay. So we hunted around and uh, we couldn't find, I'd, I'd like to tell you where this place is, but for reasons which will become apparent, I can't tell you where this place is because you will suss it straight away. And I'll probably uh, find myself getting sued by somebody. Well, we were searching around for a B&B. We asked a couple of locals and the locals said, oh, there's a pub in the village down the road and they do uh, bed and breakfast, do you want to try there? so anyway went down to the pub and uh the woman said oh you know i've got three rooms like and I was, oh christ say you know there's there's like six of us <laughs> so so we're gonna have to double up and she was like oh, all right okay you can double up well you can double up can't you <laughs> and we did um anyway we stayed in the pub that night and uh we are having a few beers and having something to eat. And she was really great. I mean, the, the landlady of this pub was fantastic. I mean, she didn't judge us at all. And the fact that we booked ourselves in there with no luggage <laughs> has, got to, has got to raise a few suspicions, hasn't it, somewhere down the line, but there you go. Um, and we were asking her where, you know, where's the local shop, I need a toothbrush. <laughs> so we all went into this local shop who I'm sure Um, just didn't know what to make of us nobody did you know there's these six guys walking around or hanging around this village anyway so we're having a few beers and we've got ourselves sorted out toothbrushes and all the rest of it got some soap and shower gel and a hairbrush, and you know and um we had something to eat uh and we're chewing the fat and uh we just kind of sat in a corner in like it was like a windowed booth i mean this pub was fucking ancient it was christ i would imagine it was it was built in the victorian times it was just amazing you know brasses on the walls proper open fire um wooden stools for the tables you know it was really really nice and big heavy big heavy iron tables so anyway we're sat in this like corner in this window bit and we're chatting away and this geezer comes in, and he's got a suit on, which, you know, no one else was wearing a suit in the pub. They're all farmers. They're pretty much all farmers. Or, you know, I didn't know if they were maybe miners, or, you know, they're working men. And this geezer comes in, and he's just like, G'day, good G'day, good G'day, and all this. Oh, fucking hell. And he, he was just too loud for the place, you know. Just far too loud. So anyway, he's got this bird on his arm, and she is half his age and a corker. She is a fucking corker. And, you know, the boys are obviously talking about it. And he walks up to the bar, and the barman's already poured him a drink, uh, whiskey, and uh, got his companion a glass of wine. And this guy just nods at the barman, doesn't pay for it. And then went over to a corner of the bar. And of course we're kinda of stood there looking at her, looking at her ass mainly, because the the skirt she was wearing left absolutely nothing to the imagination at all. And um we're kinda of looking at and it, he looked over at us and he went, Yeah, boy, you can look but you can't touch. <laughs> I went like, yeah, you dickhead. So anyway, we carried on having a few beers and that and uh about half 11 uh, the pub had closed because pub shut at 11 o'clock in those days the pub closed the bar closed at 11 last orders about half 11 we all trundled up to our rooms and all uh turned in for the night so anyway this guy he'd been making himself quite loud throughout the night and he, he said a couple of times uh about um to some woman oh it must be nice for you to see sunshine you know it must be a treat for you coming over here so you can see some sunshine and uh, she was quite she didn't find this amusing and we didn't know what the fuck it was about but anyway so we woke up in the morning go downstairs landlady as nice as a button there with the old cooked breakfast and oh fuck was it a cooked breakfast Jesus I don't eat that much for dinner you know (laughs) it was was a huge breakfast so anyway uh we said to her you know thanks very much and we paid and then we left and we went over to the lockup uh lockup to this industrial unit and uh sure enough the gadgie's there and he's there uh, with now four of the cars at the five, and um, he's got the keys obviously. So he says there's been a problem. So, what, what's that? He said, Well, we're waiting for the Jag um, because it hasn't arrived yet. He said, he said I, I, I'm you know, still got no confirmation on when it's going to be here. It could be here in an hour, it could be in a day. We don't know. So, anyway, we phoned back and we said look you know four of the five are here one of them isn't do you want us to come back and uh we were basically told no we've got to buy for that jag we need it so hang around until it turns up and if you need to book yourself back in the b&b and do it tomorrow whatever so i was like oh fucking hell so we were going to draw straws to decide who was sticking around and who wasn't and uh i said to the boys oh fuck it i'll i'll stick around do really worry about it i'll stick around so uh the boys got in the cars pissed off i went back to the b&b and i said to the you know if you if you still got rooms i could do one for tonight i can't you know uh i need to hang around for another day and she went yeah of course you can, of course you can. all right of course you can oh you're a lovely boy and <laughs> we um the boys departed and i kind of hung around the pub and read the paper and had a look around the village and you know it was a really kind of it was such a nice village it was just it was the sort of place you can imagine retiring to you know if you wanted tranquility in your life then you would go and live there so anyway as i'm walking around the village uh walk right to the top end and uh then walked kind of down a few of the streets and across a few of the banks and stuff and i could see this house and it was like a, it was a bit sort of gothic in a sense it was kind of a bit of a manor house type thing i mean it wasn't it wasn't a stately home but it was along those lines obviously had a lot of grounds um big fence all the way around the outside with a wall and uh, it had a big ornate um, gate entrance to it. And there was a little house by the entrance. So I'd imagine at one point it had been a quite a large manor house. That uh, instantly put two and two together and realised the prick in the pub must have been the guy who owns that. So I'm just wandering around, minding my own business. And I walked down this... Uh, one street to get back to the pub because i couldn't sit in the pub all day it was mad and i was just really enjoying it you know taking in the sights and you know uh, just kind of enjoying the air really i mean it's so it's, it's hard to describe when you go to somewhere like that that isn't industrial and the air is so pure so crisp when you've grown up all your life in a place like Coventry, which is industrial, you really don't realise how bad the air quality is until you go somewhere that's got proper, real, fresh air. And it was just it was just magnificent. It almost made me want to grab an old walking stick, put on some walking boots and go for a wander over the hills. I remember at school once, you know, we went... Uh, we went somewhere in Wales and we ended up walking the Offers Dyke uh, which is a long path and uh, we got lost <laughs> I was on a school trip but anyway this village was just beautiful it was absolutely beautiful but there was something very very weird about this particular street and I couldn't quite get my head around it really I mean it's not as if you know all the houses were detached and then there was a row of maybe 10 15 semi-detached um terrace right so terraced houses and they just didn't look as though they'd been looked after very well they just, i mean the windows were a bit shitty the um the roofs had been patched the the uh, the gardens were beautiful. The front gardens were absolutely immaculate, uh, but you know they just didn't look as though they'd been properly maintained over the years. And I, t- I thought, I wonder if that's some, um, I wonder if that's some sort of, I don't know, maybe council property or something like that, because they just these places, this row of houses, just didn't match anything. In the village there were bungalows in the village there were beautiful big gardens uh there were apple trees there were you know it was just that sort of place and then these row of houses so anyway uh there was a kind of um what they call a snicket uh in northern parts uh, but it's like an alleyway which will take you to the back of these houses and uh down at the back I could see kind of a rise towards uh, a hill and I just thought oh, have a quick look and I wandered down and I was greeted with the most incredible sight I think I've ever seen. I've, as I walked down and it was right on the end of these row terraces, I walked down and I looked to the right and the back gardens of these terraced houses were maybe 15 feet long and then there was a, a little entryway an alleyway and then there was uh, a fence which backed onto this estate. The other side of this fence were, were conifers and these conifers were at least 40 to 50 feet high. They were just fucking incredible. And I just remember looking at them and thinking, how the fuck do these people get any sun into their back gardens? And then the sun, which was coming in and going out at the time, did come out. And you could just obviously see, I mean, it was the middle of the day and these conifers were completely shading the back of these terraced houses. I mean, completely. And the conifers were so close together and just looked completely out of place. So were no other the conifers, there was a, a wooded area um, in within this estate. You could see that. And, but this row of conifers just didn't look right. So anyway, I, I just thought, what a weird place. And I fucked off back to the pub uh went back to the room checked in with the um guy from the lockup no word on the jag and uh he said uh we think it's going to be tomorrow now so i said to the landlady in the pub like i might need to stay under the night right okay (laughs) so anyway in the pub that night i'd had a bit of a sleep in the afternoon in the pub that night I'm sitting there on the bar, on the bar stool, reading the paper, bearing me hand. And uh, the landlady had very kindly done me uh, egg, egg, gammon, and chips. So I'm sitting there, kind of chomping on that, reading the paper. And um, in this bloke walks again. And he hasn't got his missus with him this time. And he walks up to the bar and they give him a whiskey and he just grunts at them. And he, he goes and sits down with uh, two guys who look like farmers. And I couldn't help but overhear this conversation. And from the conversation, I gathered that this guy owned a factory in the nearest town a lot of the people in the village worked in this factory but this factory had been sold to some other company some wherever and a lot of these people had lost their jobs now parts of the people that lost their jobs lived in these terraced houses I gathered this from the conversation basically based on the fact that the two guys he'd sat down with were talking to him about emergency repairs that needed to be done on the houses. and he was saying, "No, we're going to hold out, we're going to hold out, we're not going to spend the money, and uh, you know another another five, six feet on those uh, on those trees, and no one will want to live there." And all of a sudden, it twigged me. This fucker was trying to get these people out of these houses. Obviously, they're sitting tenants. He must own the terrace. And these are sitting tenants and he wants them out. So what the fucker has done is put 50 foot conifers right at the back of these houses so that they get no sun and i just i gathered this over the space of about half an hour earwigging what these guys were talking about the two guys were saying look it's dangerous you know one woman had a problem with the stairs uh, another one there was a problem with one of the windows and you know it's these places are just becoming unsafe to live in, no no, no, we're not spending any money, no, I no, don't no, no, they'll be out before long, you wait know. see, and um he then said something along the lines of you know, two are down he's he's only got to get rid of you know x amount more or something like that, and I sat there, and the one of the girls behind the bar, she was cleaning glasses, and I just kind of looked at her and she looked at me and then this guy behind stood up and he said, don't worry boys, it's all in hand, we'll get the buggers out, we wait and see, ha, 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 ha. And I looked at her again, she looked at me and she shook her head. And then I got into a conversation with her and she confirmed what basically I thought, what I'd gathered from this conversation, that this wanker was trying to kick people out only it got a little bit worse than that because some of the people he was trying to kick out were widows old people and these people their families have been in those houses for years generations even and he apparently wanted to knock them down so that instead of these 10, 15 houses and a terrace he could build 5 luxury cottages and sell them and he can't do that with sitting tenants well fucking hell. she was telling me about all the measures that the locals had gone through to try and sort this guy out but it was really really difficult because he owned the houses not only that but he also owned a number of the houses that people were living in where he'd managed to buy up a bit of land and put another cottage on it and, you know, rent it out. And it just seemed like it was Dickensian. (laughs) I I said to her, you know, are we living in the 1940s? What the fuck? And she was like, well, no one can do anything about it absolutely no one can do anything about it he's perfectly legally entitled to do what he wants on his own land and he owns the cottages so you know only the owner of the cottages could have lodged any sort of formal complaint so it it was really a rock and a hard place and then i said that was he, he told some fucking joke yesterday about how nice it is to get out and see the sun to one of the uh, women that was there, and uh, he said, "Yeah, she um, she'd been in there best part of fifty years since she since she'd been married. Husband had died, and uh, she basically sought solace in her garden, and she spent day after day after day just doing stuff in her garden, and." this fucker had then gone in and put these conifers in and they weren't that size when he put them in but they weren't seedlings either I mean uh, apparently he'd taken them from another part of his estate and replanted them so it was a deliberate act and her garden was destroyed and she was distraught Uh, it was just uh, it was like the ultimate sob story I stayed there that night. I just couldn't get it out of my head. You've got to be kidding me! Some somebody somewhere down the line—council, government, police—somebody, surely, can take this fucker and sort him out. He can't be. it can't be legal. What he was doing. Well, she seemed to think it was. She seemed the barmaid. She seemed to think that you know. Don't even go there. You know, we've been, or they've been, trying to fight this guy for years. And just getting nowhere. And a few of the people had moved out. A few of the people were moving out. And uh, a couple of them had just vowed to, uh, to stay there until the end. This widow being one of them. It was the only house she'd ever lived in with her husband, when she got married. Well, anyway, following morning went down to the uh, industrial unit. Kind of thought, well, if the Jag's there, fuck it, I'll just I'll get it and go. I can't get involved in this. A, it's none of my business. B, it's none of my business. <laughs> And see, it's none of my business. I could not get it out of my head. Anyway, the guy from the lockup, uh, the unit, said, "No, I'm sorry, it's not here. We are expecting it now. It's definitely, uh, it's definitely in the country, and it's just got. It was coming from one of the southern ports. And uh, why this guy was getting it, I don't know, but." so um he said i'm sorry mate you're here for another night Ah, oh, so like oh, fucking hell. so anyway I, I spoke to the boys a couple of times on the phone and that night i spoke to uh i spoke to the boys who were in my flat uh back in coventry I they were saying, "Oh, how's it going down there? You got a shag yet? Did you do one of the bar mates? And all this, like, no, 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 no. And then I went on to explain uh, about this son of a bitch down here. You see, if that was if that was in Coventry, somebody would know somebody who could go to the family, and then this guy's legs would get broken. But we're in the middle of fucking Wales. I can't- and that's kind of, that's that's one of the, the good things about what was going on at the time because social injustice just got dealt with. Somebody got attacked, somebody's mum got mugged, they'd be found, they'd be dealt with. He would have never got away with it, you know? But because nobody has the ability to stand up to him. And a lot of the farms in the area were owned by him. And these guys were tenant farmers. Nobody dare have a go at this guy, nobody. And I just found it mind boggling, unbelievable. I'm talking to the boys I'm having me dinner on the bar. Having a few fags. Having a chat to the barmaid. And then the widow comes in. She comes in three times a week, apparently. With her friends. Other old people in the area. And three times a week, they sit in a corner. And they play cards. And... uh, he came in and he was evening ladies (laughs) all this walked up to the bar took his whiskey just nodded at the barmaid and then he went to sit down with one of the guys he'd been with before the other day and I said to the barmaid does he ever say thank you? And she kind of looked at me because he obviously was within earshot. And he, he kind of looked and grumbled something at me. And I just took a bit, I took another sip of my beer and went ignorant prick. And he stood up and he said, I'm sorry have I said something to offend you? I said, mate, your face offends me. Your voice offends me. Your manner offends me. And the barmaid's looking at me and kind of shaking her head as if to say, don't do it. And the pub's gone completely silent. (laughs) And he said, well, perhaps you'd like to find somewhere else to drink or somewhere else to stay I said no not really I'm quite happy here and he said I think you'll find that you won't be staying here tonight and then he went landlord and the guy that ran the boozer came out and he said to him do you think you could send somebody upstairs to pack his things <laughs> I looked at him and I thought you've got some sort of fucking influence over this pub as well, haven't you? I don't want to put the barman, barmaid or the landlord in a bad position. So fuck it. Oh they mate so have it your way but you really really want to be careful who you fucking talk to you really want to be careful who you piss off because you never know who you're dealing with with strangers ah bugger off you little sod go on fuck off go on and uh I went upstairs and packed, not that there was a lot to pack really, (laughs) toothbrush, hairbrush and uh, I went to pay the bill and the the landlord went no 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 really no, I said look let me pay for this I'm getting it back anyway so it doesn't matter and this old widow said uh, as I was going out and he stood there like some fucking lord of the rings This old widow said to me, you got somewhere to stay tonight? I said, don't worry, love, I'll find somewhere. And she went, no, no, come on. And the, (laughs) the git stood between me and her put his back to me and said, you're making a mistake. He'll rob you blind. I know his type. And I stuck my face into his face and said, you don't know fuck. And I tell you what else, mate, you don't even know how to be a human being. And I left. I could have stayed at the old ladies, I suppose, but I didn't. I uh I went down and uh slept rough outside the industrial unit. And took a walk down there and slept down there. Thought the car's gonna be here in the morning. Fuck it, don't matter. Sure enough, jag first thing in the morning not I got in it and uh, started to drive back, phoned the guys said I'm, I'm on the way, Jags here and I'd, it was a situation where I, I struggled to know what to do, I didn't I didn't really know how to handle it it wasn't a situation where i could, just could have smacked them because i'd have been in court and in jail before i could have spat you know and i thought well I'd, maybe i can go and have a chat to the family and see if they can do it and i thought no they're not going to want to know are they it's fucking it's like a hundred miles away from coventry and i got um back to the flat and uh went in had a coffee spoke the boys then we took the jag down to the uh, uh to the warehouse and we got paid and it was all you know job done and that night happened to be quite a few people around my flat and uh, it was very obvious that I was upset about something and I, the girls that were asking me you know what, what's going on what's up and I, I explained it all I explained the whole thing to them I said look it's none of my business fuck all to do with me but I just cannot get this prick out of my head and the the answer from a few of the boys was okay let's go down there and bust his legs well that doesn't help the old lady does it I mean if this guy gets his legs broke that, that doesn't help anybody no there's got to be there's got to be a better way than that So, uh, we talked about it. We talked it through. We talked about going down en masse, kicking the fucker in, um, doing his house over, setting fire to his mansion. Uh, Christ, we talked about loads of things. In the end, we decided to Go and do something. And we work it out and we got there. So, wasn't the next day, was the day after. Nine o'clock in the morning. I'm ready to go down with three mates and just do something. Just put the frighteners on this guy, just do something. I went out into the car park and there were nine cars out there. Nine. Each one full of people. Each one had been told the story and each one wanted to help that was the spirit of the people that I hung around with in those days yeah there were lags they were bent there were petty crooks some of them were big time crooks some of them were names some of them weren't but they all turned out to come and help some old widow that they'd never even met, who lived a hundred miles away. Well, I I was just really touched. I just wished I'd had a plan and I didn't, but we drove down there. And at the end of this village, Um, was like a a village green and it had a car park and we all parked in this car park and uh, what we decided to do was go and get him and put the frighteners on him Well, we went through his gates, a couple of us uh, drove up to his house, everyone else went in on foot, and went in from different directions, so that we had his whole house surrounded, and uh, we knocked on his front door, and this geezer answered, um, presumably presumably it was his man servant or fucking butler or whatever it wasn't dressed like a butler but and uh, I said oh good afternoon here's a gentleman of the house in who shall I say is calling I'll just tell him it's that prick from the pub indeed so he went in and gadget bloke comes out and he's got a 12-bore in his hand. It's cocked. He hasn't got it, it's broken. He hasn't got it uh, set to fire. Ah, just in time, he said. I was just going out to shoot some vermin. I said, really? Mate, we need to have a chat. About what? Your conifers. My bloody what? Your conifers that you're using to destroy a whole load of people's lives down in the village. Bloody business is that of yours? It's not really, but I want you to take them down. Really? I suppose you're going to make me? I said, well, if the cap fits, mate. And he cocked the gun. Kept it pointing down. He didn't point it at us. He said, uh, "I don't think you quite understand who you're dealing with." And I said, neither, "Neither do you, mate." And all I heard were guns being cocked from all fucking directions. A couple of the boys had gone in through his back door. A couple of them had gone in through his kitchen, there were about six or seven in the house, all pointing guns at this guy's head, I said do you know how easy it is mate to lose a body, oh no look here, no no no, you look here. Your conifers come down today. Make the phone call. Now now look, I I don't give in to this sort of thing. said I'll ask you again. If you force me to ask a third time, I will show you. Do you know how easy it is to dispose of a body? And he put the gun on the floor, picked the phone up, dialed the number, and he said, the conifers are the terraces. Take them down. Today. Yes, today. All of them. There you go. We uh, left his house. Actually, if I remember correctly, Carl took his gun. <laughs> Little souvenir. We left his house and went towards the village. And we left him with a message that we'd be back in a few days. And those people in those terraces better be happy. Smiley people who are going to have all the work that they need doing on the houses done. And those conifers are going to be a distant fucking memory. Oh, and I'll tell you what, you might want to give them all a thousand pounds each. Call it compensation. We'll see you in a couple of days. And we left. We stopped off at the pub and uh, we had a drink. And <laughs> we were in there two or three minutes. Now, we're not stupid, right? We <laughs> we knew that there was a very good chance that this guy was going to make a phone call and that we were going to have blue flashing lights all over the place. So uh, all of the weapons... Uh, got put into a particular person's car who started the journey back They didn't come into the pub with us sure enough two or three minutes in blue flashing lights three cop cars and they were unarmed as well which was weird but they came in and they basically just didn't give a shit I couldn't give a fuck alright boys alright oh we've had a complaint that you've been hassling such and such oh yeah have you oh uh, yeah what's it all about then I said nothing really we just uh, told him we didn't particularly like the way he plants conifers and uh, the coppers went oh you're not carrying any guns are you <laughs> And we went no and we kind of stood up and sort of turned around held our t-shirts up and stuff and went okay good lads we we'll are still out of trouble <laughs> <And> they left <laughs> i got the distinct impression they didn't like him either well we um had a beer uh got in the cars went back gave it three or four days and uh Myself and two of the guys took a trip back down there. Well, we were more than slightly impressed at the um, conifers. They were now stumps about a foot high and had all been removed. And uh, we went into the pub And as soon as we got in there, the landlord made a phone call. And I thought, here we go. Anyway, we had a beer. Spoke to the barmaid, who said how amazed she was that he'd finally relented and took down the conifers. And uh, some work was going to be done on the houses. And... um, he'd made quite a generous donation uh, to each of the uh, occupants of these houses. And we were like, well, that's great. That's nice. Then the door opens and he comes. Barmaid poured him a whiskey. He walked up to the bar with four very big guys. Oh, I wondered if you'd come back. Well, we had to make sure that you did the right thing. I think you and I need a conversation. Really. We didn't want anything to kick off inside the pub. And... uh, We went outside into the car park. The bruisers that he'd brought with him two of them were the uh, estate guys that he'd spoken to. And uh, I said to him so you've removed your colifism and you've given these guys a little bit of compensation and you're going to do some work on the houses. That's really good to know. It's nice to know that Somewhere, within that exterior there's a human being and he said don't think for one second that you had anything to do with my decision I said no nah, of course not mate and then we looked at the guys it was with and said so what's the situation with you guys do you think he's doing the right thing now or the wrong thing And they just kind of looked at each other. (laughs) He looked at me and said, there's always a price to pay. Okay, boys. And he took a step back, fully expecting that his four bruises were going to come kick the fuck out of us. (laughs) To be perfectly honest, if they had started it, they would have. Um, They didn't move. (laughs) They didn't move. And he was like, well, go on then. And they just stood there looking at each other. He said, well, go on. What the bloody hell am I paying you for? (laughs) And one of them went, not for this, that's for sure. (laughs) And they walked past us and walked into the pub. Leaving him, stood there. Well, I left him in no doubt that we were going to be back and he'd never know when, he'd never know, and we wouldn't be announcing our presence. And if we heard anything about the way he ran that estate or those rented houses. Or anything to do with his tenant farmers, then he would find out how easy it is to lose a body. And he walked away. We walked away from that feeling like cock of the wolf. Went into the pub, uh, bought the four guys a drink. (laughs) As a way of saying thank you for not kicking the fuck out of us. And, um, we had one little other surprise. The, the boys that had gone down, uh, nine cars full of us, and everyone else, really, that had heard the story. Um... At a wit round. And uh I think we'd raised about three grand and we asked the barmaid if she could perhaps put that towards restoring the gardens at the backs of the terraced houses. She was nearly in tears when she left, when we left. She said, "I didn't think people like you existed. You waltz in here like the Lone Ranger, solve everything, and then leave." She told us what good men we were. you got to question that one, haven't you? So it wasn't all... bad... back then. It wasn't all... you know... It wasn't all crime. It wasn't all violence. Some of it was... I don't know. You call it code of honor. We had some sort of code more than they have now that's for sure. You couldn't you couldn't really stand back and watch a wrong like that without doing something about it and that was the personal code that we all shared i went back um probably about a year later but only because we were um we uh we went to cardiff uh to pick some stuff up and we decided to go into the village and uh he'd sold up Um, place had got a new landlord at the big house Uh, conifers weren't there the gardens looked absolutely fantastic Um, pub was still there I didn't go in (laughs) I went into the local shop though and she remembered us God, things we did. There is sometimes a need for social justice because when no one else can help what else have you got? Celebi. That's it for this one, guys. I'm going to call this one The Village and I hope you've enjoyed it. I will, as ever, See you on the dark side. Take care. Welcome to the world of digital sound. Shutting down all systems.